All right. Thank you, everybody, uh, for being here. My name is Marco Mancini. I'm a senior growth hacker at Sherpany. Uh, and usually the first thing, actually, the first question that I usually get from people when I meet them is, how come, are you Italian? So just, I want to get that really out of the way. I am not. I'm actually from Canada, the French part of Canada. So if everyone wants, to, if anyone wants to practice their French with me, come see me later and you'll have fun with my funny Canadian accent. So, uh, senior growth hacker at Sherpany, a little bit about my background. Uh, I am actually a bit of a digital marketer. I guess that would be my specialization. I started off as an email marketer, uh, running a crowdsourcing platform at my previous company. Uh, and I sort of grew into a growth hacker role when I joined Sherpany and a little bit before that, about two and a half years ago. Uh, so today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about an experimentation framework, so a thing that we've put in recently. So we've uh, affected a little bit of a positioning change over the last year, last year or two. Uh, and it's been like an interesting journey, and the kind of goal of this presentation and the goal of uh, this discussion here is showing you how we did that and how putting in that experimentation framework really helped us uh, do that in the best possible way. Uh, but first off, uh, go to the next slide. thank you, sir. But first off, I think it's really important to understand who we are. So Sherpany, it's actually really weird uh, or like difficult to pronounce Sherpany. It's a sh I used to say Sherpani, but it's Sherpany. So what we do is meeting management software. So I'm actually gonna do like a first quick experiment here. So if I say meeting management software, uh, lift your hand if you know what that is. And like there are people from my company here, you guys are biasing the experiment, that doesn't count. All right, good, so no one lifted their hands. Um, so that actually is pretty much in line with what we usually hear, is that meeting management software is not a thing that is super known by everybody. But what it is concretely is it's a software uh, that for us was designed initially for boards, and I'll get into our audience and positioning in just a second. But it was designed for boards and for their formal meetings. Now, meetings for them are not exactly like your daily meeting that you would have on Zoom, like a kind of coffee chat. For them, it's like very complicated. There are a lot of documents involved, a lot of paper that's involved. It has to be regulated. Uh, everything that they do uh, has to be done according to certain rules. And our software was really designed to facilitate that. So once again, our software was designed for boards uh, initially to help facilitate their really complicated meetings. But this brings us kind of to the challenge. So I mentioned a repositioning right at the beginning of this presentation. Yes, we got it. So basically, we went from being a board software to being a board and leadership software. So I think the first thing that I want to do is kind of define what leadership means in this context. So leadership for us is, as we used to define it internally, the top 10% of employees inside a company, if you think about it in terms of job grade. Uh, another way to look at it is within companies, people that are at the director level or above. Uh, we also sort of changed uh, the target audience that we were targeting. Initially, the, uh, the boards that we were targeting were within companies that had about 200 employees going up. Uh, now we're going into the enterprise space. So we're targeting companies that have 1,000 plus employees uh, in multiple markets. So Italy, Germany, and Switzerland for now. Uh, so these are some like very heavy challenges for us. Uh, and what we initially did in order to try and meet that challenge uh, about a year ago, is that we decided to take our full funnel campaign strategy that we had before, and we moved to an account-based marketing strategy in order to try and do this. Uh, we specifically did, well, both one-to-one, -one, uh, and feel free to ask questions after this, one-to-one -one ABM strategy and a one-to-few, so very small segments that we would target as a strategy for our marketing. But the problem with that is that initially we... Uh, 
we kind of determined how we would segment in a way that probably wasn't the smartest way. So we targeted industries to start with. It seemed really logical at the beginning because uh, what we're trying to target is regulated industries. This is part of our targeting. So companies that are in the banking sector, for example, they have a very regulated and regimented way that they need to do things. So there's a really strong use case for our tool. In another uh, another way to put this or another reason why we did that is because uh, on digital channels, it's actually really easy to segment by industry in general. But the problem with that is that if you think about meetings from one industry to the other, uh, the, the variation or the use of our tool or the way they do their meetings doesn't vary that much from one industry to the other. So when we try and message people from these industries, we're kind of using the same bland, too general message. There isn't like something really specific about the pain points. Like when we talk to them, we can't really go in and touch on what is bad about their meetings and really make them want to convert by segmenting that way. So what we decided to do, and this was in part based on our really strong uh, content strategy. So just to quick numbers, uh, we our content strategy over the last year allowed us to have a growth in organic uh, search traffic of about like 28%, which is really phenomenal for this quarter Q3 year over year. So we know that it's a really strong strategy. And the way that strategy works is that we segment our audience in uh, by committees. So we look at like different types, like types of meetings within companies, as opposed to looking at industries directly in our content strategy. So that informed where we thought that we should go uh, in our segmentation in the future. But it's not really over there. So the first committee that we decided to look at is executive management. So anyone who's like a CXO, C-level, uh, this is like a committee. They have meetings together. Uh, they have common pain points. So this is the first segment that we decided to explore. And the first one that we decided to apply our experimentation framework to. So to give you some examples of things we wanted to know from them, this is going to be a lot of clicking. Hopefully it'll work. All right. So first of all, how should we segment? Are we correct in the way that we decided to segment? Does it make sense? Uh, what meetings does our segment take part in? This is super important. We need to understand really, really well what like executive managers attend as meetings. What do they do daily? Which meetings should we talk about when we talk to them? So what are their pain points? What's hard about organizing their meetings? Uh, is it the organization? Is it trying to track documents? Uh, is it tracking decisions that they've taken, et cetera? Uh, which job role is which buyer persona? So again, we run an account-based marketing strategy, so we assign personas to different job roles. So is, for example, the CEO, is the CEO our champion, or is it somebody else? So how is each persona involved in meeting organization? This is a super important point. We always need to know who organizes the meeting because our tool is really directed at people who organize. They will spend the most time in our tool. We absolutely have to know this. And which features are most useful and interesting? So features for us are a really strong conversion uh, message. Uh, and so it's really important for us to know which features we should show to which persona in order to show them that there's a really strong use case for our tool and we can help them with their pain points. So this brings us to the how. So how we sort of did our experimentation framework. So for us, I kind of broke this down into three steps. So the first thing is to learn. Um, and I think this is a common thing in a lot of startups. Uh, and just for information, we're about 150 employees now. So we're not fully startup. Uh, we're kind of in scale-up phase. But I would say that this definitely applies. So uh, I think a lot of you would agree that in startups, 
Uh, a lot of information isn't like really centralized because it's just normal. There's a lot of churn within employees at the beginning uh, and stuff is not noted down in any kind of CRM because maybe you didn't have one at the beginning. So for us, like a lot of information was maybe in the CRM. Some information was maybe within Google documents or some kind of legacy system. Uh, and most of it was actually in the brains of people that were still there, but not really noted down. So the first thing to do is learn. So we went around. We interviewed a ton of customer-facing employees internally to try and finally gather this data so we could really have it. Uh, we also uh, did a lot of, uh, we did a, a survey, excuse me, external survey to get a lot more quantitative data. Uh, we also interviewed a lot of external employees, uh, sorry, external people that are within our target audience uh, in order to get, again, more uh, qualitative data from them. And what that allowed us to do is build some hypotheses. So based on that, just to give you like an example, I think this will illustrate a little bit better. Uh, one hypothesis that we were able to build was that uh, the assistants, so personal assistants or executive assistants, especially to the CEO, are those that organize the meetings within this committee. Uh, we know this, or we thought we might know this, because we interviewed a lot of people and almost everybody confirmed this for us. Uh, within the uh, survey that we ran, this was also confirmed, but this is still not a large enough um, sample in order to have statistical significance. So we needed to run an experiment on it. Uh, so that was a really good example of a hypothesis. And what you're supposed to do and what we did is you take all the hypotheses that you have and you put them in order from what you think is the most important one that you should run to the least important one that you should run. And then you test. There we go. All right, so then you run the test. So within the hypothesis, and this is really important, and I think this is one of the biggest challenges of running tests, is ensuring that the test is not biased. Uh, so we have like a framework that we've prepared that we want everyone to always fill that specific framework when they want to run an experiment. So we literally have like a blank thing that you have to fill when you want to run an experiment. Like I believe that my hypothesis is that this thing will happen, uh, and I will measure this with this KPI and I will do this, 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 this kind of thing. Uh, and again, the KPIs are super important. You need to determine what KPI, you need to benchmark a KPI in order to make sure that the result that you're getting is something that is significant. And then we run the test, uh, and then we have our result. We'll get there, we'll get there. All right, so results. Um, so really quickly, I'm just going to present you some quick numbers from some of the experiments that we've run. One thing to keep in mind is that this is a relatively recent thing that we've done. So I don't have any like changes to annual recurring revenue based on this, for example. But I can kind of tell you some numbers that we got from tests and uh, maybe some other numbers as well afterwards. So like just to look at the experiment that I just mentioned, which is assistance organized meetings. Uh, we, based on this, so what we literally did was we had an ad, and we're lucky enough at Sherpany that we have a pretty good budget for ads. So we were able to run a lot of these experiments on digital channels where we're able to get like to an audience very quickly, a large amount of people very quickly. And so we know, and like the click-through rate on the ad was our number one KPI. So the ads were literally identical. Like we only had one ad. The ad text was literally are you the meeting organizer? So if a person clicks on that, the intent is to show that they are the organizer. And we targeted the different personas within the executive management committee. And as expected, the uh, personal assistants or executive assistants were the people that by far clicked the most and responded the most and interacted the most with that ad. Click-through rate was our number one KPI, and clearly they had a very high click-through rate. But one thing that was really cool that kind of came out of this that we didn't expect is that we generated leads. So we set this ad up. It was on LinkedIn as a channel. We set it up as a uh, lead generator 
generation ad, and we actually managed to generate leads at a 200 euro cost per lead, which is about 30 or 40 percent lower than our average cost per lead. So clearly, this was really a successful endeavor uh, and a really successful test. And again, this is super important for us because this is the main persona we're targeting with our message. All right, just some quick like flash other things that we learned. So we know that getting agenda items included in a meeting is a pain. Executive managers see themselves as decision makers more than leaders. Super important for our messaging, for our strategy. And then most executive managers believe that tracking the current status of past decisions is their biggest meeting challenge. And these were all things that were tested, et cetera. So money is more important than time. Uh, communication is key. So this is... Uh, Another, this part of the results that I kind of think is a little bit unorthodox, but I think is really important, uh, especially in a company that's starting to establish this kind of thing for the first time, like us. Uh, I would say that, so in our team, we're in a sales and marketing team. We're not just a marketing team. Uh, people aren't used to an experimentation framework. This is kind of a new thing within the company. So it's really important for us to get buy-in on this. Like we want people to know how to use the results from the experiments. If we present just like we have the experiment files, we always present like, here's the result for this one experiment. If we just present those, it would be very useful for growth hackers within the company. Marketers would probably know how to use that. Uh, but for example, sales would kind of look at that, be like, okay, that's cool. Uh, but then might not really know what they should be doing with that. So we've taken what we've decided to do, and this is kind of a new idea that we've had, is we use uh, all the data that we gather every quarter, and we create a story with it. So we're trying to really serve every different function within the company. And we use that story in order for sales to use it so that they're able to know exactly what they should say when they talk to these personas, and they can especially align their campaigns to the general messaging and campaign structure that we have in the company. So communication is key. It's really important to consider all the different people uh, that are within your team in order to really get buy-in on this, I would say. And at a high level, that's it. And I'm uh, looking forward to your questions. Thank you. Super. Thanks a lot, Marco. That was super interesting. Very, very interesting. One question from my side. You uh, talked about the experimentation, right? Yes, sir. Channel, one channel you mentioned was LinkedIn. Yep. Can you tell me broadly what channels you used for that experiment? Yeah. LinkedIn only or? For that specific experiment, it was linked. So the advantage of LinkedIn is that we can really get to our specific audience really well. It's a very strong channel for our specific use case. So you're able to target by company size, by job role, by function. Uh, you know that you're going directly to uh, the people that you want to test. Um, so for us, for that specific experiment, it's one of the, like if I think of other digital channels like uh, Google Display Network, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, I can't really say I want to target executive assistants there. But on LinkedIn, I can specifically do that. So that's why we really use that for that type of experiment. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was the channel that we used there uh, mm -hmm. in that case. Okay, a question to our uh, expert panel. Luke, um, thinking about this experimentation framework, what would you say was it implemented well? Do you think it uh, brought some good results, or how would you analyze it? I think the, the CPL was too high still, I think. But <laughs> what? It's a bit disappointing. The CPL, <laughs> but I know that was not the purpose of the experiment, right? So I think that is uh, what I really like about uh, what you presented, is that you showed the communication, uh, really thinking about the audience, and you combined that with acquisition channels. So where often we see really those one-sided experiments. Someone is trying to optimize for CPL or cost per acquisition and really completely ignores the needs of the audience. And I think that was really nicely done. 
because I think you really need to understand uh, who you're talking to and then put that into context, of course. But I still think 200 euro CPL on, on LinkedIn, we can beat that, I think. So I think <laughs> that, but I, I yeah. <laughs> just so, to, okay, go ahead. No, go. Uh, I just was going to ask, because you said you moved to an account-based manage, uh, account-based yeah. marketing setup with LinkedIn. Do you think LinkedIn helped you build that account-based marketing uh, setup because it is a personal, professional network where you can advertise? Uh, again, I think because of the targeting, it really helped in that sense. But I think most of the work that goes into uh, implementing an account-based marketing strategy, almost for at least in my case, uh, was internal. It was like a lot of creation of templates that we use and reuse, like uh, account research templates, uh, dashboards for how to create campaigns. Uh, and it was a lot of like training internally on trying to get people to work together and target a specific account or a segment. So LinkedIn definitely helped again because the targeting, especially for our use case, uh, was really helpful. And again, that's why it's our main channel. But for me, it was the, the work was really outside. It was like on our confluence, on our CRM. It was a lot of work like this and a lot of direct work with uh, people within my company, I would mm -hmm. say. Let's turn to our two investors and yep. incubators. Uh, <laughs> People, uh, Isabel and Penny, what do you think of this experimentation framework? What would you say was good? Would you recommend such an approach to companies that yeah. you work with? So, uh, actually, I have a question. So, I'm oftentimes uh, consulting with startups that are much earlier. So, maybe it's just five people. And they will be interested in using a more um, solid approach, but they won't have the the team, but also they won't have the number of uh, cases and ads so that you can really experiment. What would you advise them to do nonetheless so that they can get something out of it and can be more hypothesis-driven? It's actually a really good question. I would say that it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work to set up an experimentation framework, you're right, but I think there's a way to set up a very basic one and scale it later. Like, I've realized, like, I feel like we should have done this before. This is how I feel right now. And if I was in a very small startup, I think I would try and put something like this in. Because, like, I, and this is really opinion-based, but I feel like there's a finite amount of decisions that you can make in order to succeed or not succeed within a company. It's about how many decisions are you going to make that are good, that make you grow, Uh, versus amount of bad decisions that will make you not succeed. By having an experimentation framework, you're really a lot more sure about the decisions that you're making. And I feel like a really early stage startup, every decision is super important. So I would recommend making probably a basic version of this. Uh, using a framework, like honestly, the framework that we use is super basic. I purposely didn't make something complicated. I thought it was really important to speed things up. And I thought that by complicating that framework, it would probably actually bias it maybe more because you're just asking too much info. It's too complicated. People get confused. Uh, so I think by using a really simple framework, uh, I think it's possible to do it. Now, the and this is kind of brainstormy, but I think also the, the other challenge is that budgets might not be there for like a small startup. And this is probably one of the issues that would stop it. So I would focus on running experiments probably on some free uh, channels that you have. So like running experiments on your website, for example, this is not something that is necessarily budget dependent. Obviously there's like tools that you can get that can help you tools like Hotjar, uh, heat mapping on your website, whatnot. But I think that overall uh, it's definitely possible to still run some experiments because And last point about this, I would say, is that 
the reason, another reason why I think it's important to do this right off the bat is that you're already setting the experiment mindset in the company. You're building that culture that later you can scale. And I think doing that really early on is going to be something that's super useful. Isabel has something to say to that. And then we'll go to some questions from the audience. Okay. Well, I think it's interesting. Thank you for your input, Marco. Um, just to add on to that one, it wasn't my question, but I think also with very small budgets, you know, we just did an experiment with 500 francs on Facebook and you just say B test, right? You take down the ads if they're not working. Like we checked if um, a video would function better than a picture. Then we checked also again and we adapted the text. So I think if you implement systems from the beginning in growth hacking, you have this maybe good culture implemented. So my question maybe also to you, just more from an interest point, um, right? You have a very complicated problem product and you started the presentation with saying you know know your audience but also I think the interesting thing in the B2B sales is that or marketing we're talking about growth hacking is that you want to connect with people have you guys checked as a share Sherpani now here I go with the name <laughs> Sherpani with the that you sometimes run ads over people and sometimes ads over um, the company account can you actually vary that or not just paid campaigns, but because we're sometimes seeing that it's almost better to advertise over people and your sales reps than over the company itself. What are you guys doing there? You mean advertise? Uh, well, creating the campaigns. When you're creating right. Yeah, we're building the campaigns uh, together, like especially in ABM, since this is our strategy, we're doing it together. Uh, this is not just a, uh, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, so stop me if I'm not. <laughs> But uh, basically, we do create the campaigns together. This is done uh, because it's, I think it's a natural fit for us since we are a sales and marketing team together. Uh, the account research, so like one step in our campaign creation is research of the accounts or research within the segment. So we could really come up with a specific message and pain points to that segment. Uh, this is done together by sales and marketing. This is not uh, only one-sided. Uh, when we approach, uh, when we create a campaign, we don't just have ads on digital channels. I think this is maybe what you were getting at, but we're targeting the same uh, audience with a campaign using tactics from sales and SDRs and also using our tactics on the other side for lead generation. Are you using the sales profiles? Oh, the profiles, sorry. Okay. Yeah, now, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Small uh, detail. We are not, actually. Uh, this would be, maybe if you could add, like, I'm curious about that, actually, if you have maybe uh, more details to add, but we are currently not doing that. Yeah. Well, what we normally do in those cases, we have uh, two types of campaigns. I mean, you also use Sales Navigator probably, yes. right? Yes, yeah, we do that. So I think the, the marketing campaigns, they normally more for, uh, I mean, also lead generation, mm -hmm. but they also support the, the, the Sales Navigator right. efforts. Yes. Yeah. So it's more of a content-driven and they are much more direct. Yeah. But I, I think for larger enterprise, if you're like moving from smaller targets to large enterprise, it makes a lot of sense because what we do often is even like uh, hundred thousand uh, employees company. You want to create more awareness, warm them up before your sales rep contacts them uh, directly via sales navigator. Because now a lot of people discovered, oh, sales navigator is cool. I can write to anybody, but actually, if they're not prepared, they have no idea who you are. It's not very effective. So with with ads, uh, we can you can do that. And on on the maybe just the previous point quickly to add uh, on the experimentation. What we find with our clients, the, the biggest problem with experiments actually they don't they lack discipline to run them. It's not actually the limitation of 
of the of the ads or budget is just they get distracted. They, we have so many customers or startups that come to us and say, we tried everything, nothing works, and then we look at what they did and we have to start do, it, do it all again because nothing was run sequentially properly and all the experiments are biased, as you said. Marcus, do you want to add something? I think there was some audience questions, right? Go ahead. Uh, yes, we'll come back to you, Marcus. Don't worry, you're not left out. But we have some great questions from the audience. The first one, uh, which I would take, is do you think the social network like LinkedIn really gives you an adequate sample of the target demography or demographics? Do you think that's adequate? Or how did you decide on that? I would say yes. Uh, again, because definitely we, first of all, we have, so LinkedIn is a very expensive channel, uh, unfortunately, but we have luckily the budget that we're able to use it. Uh, and once again, because of the targeting options, uh, we're very much satisfied with the sample that we're getting. It's, we can also see the sample size. Obviously, when we create a campaign, we know how many people are within the audience that we want to target. And we also, I, I mentioned this really quickly, but we're in multiple markets. Uh, it allows us to target who we need in multiple markets as well. Uh, and I think it would be probably more biased if we used a different channel because we'd have to try and target the people that we want to target uh, indirectly as opposed to on LinkedIn where we are able to target them directly. Uh, so I would say so, yes. And the last question, how do you get people to buy into the significance of your results and use them? Very so, big white elephant uh, question. This is a huge question, actually. Uh, so I would say we're not done that. Uh, we're still working on trying to get buy-in. Uh, so it's important to get a cross-functional team going, uh, to actually involve them and make them accountable to it. Uh, not just be, because if it's just me doing it and then I tell them like, okay, here are the results, now do this campaign. Uh, they're not gonna. They're just not gonna do it, or they're not gonna care. They're gonna keep doing what they're doing. But if they're involved in the project, if they're part of it, uh, if sales are included in, like, even create. I mean, why would, they can understand this? They get it. Uh, you show them how the experimentation framework is, what it is. Uh, you explain what the KPIs are. We're in the same team, so they know these KPIs. Uh, and really, accountability is the key. So if they're included, uh, then they're gonna take it seriously. Uh, but for the second part of the question, which is uh, actually using this knowledge in order to uh, execute later on. That needs to be presented in a way, and I kind of touched this really fast at the end of the presentation, but it needs to pre be presented in a way in their own language. Like it's kind of internal marketing. You need to show them uh, the data in a way that they can execute on it quickly. It's almost like a parallel to what we were saying about, what I was saying about meetings at the beginning. Like people, they, the board members, they sometimes they can't take good decisions because there's a ton of like information formatted differently at different places. But if it's presented to them in a way that's useful, they can take better decisions. Same applies to trying to move this to our sales. Uh, we just have to present it in a way that we know that they're going to use it and buy it. And we have to understand who they are, be empathetic, and I think it'll work that way. Uh, but again, this all stems from the involvement of them in the team from the beginning. So get them involved, yes. make them listen, yeah. do it. Yeah. Super.